treatment and recovery are two different things. And I've always looked at it that way. Treatment is this place where people go, where they get a, a, a separation, a physical separation from the drink and the drug, where they um, you know, get a little therapy, where they can change people, places, and things for a period of time. But that's not recovery. Recovery is what happens when you leave treatment and make a, a, a personal commitment. You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. Welcome back to The Recovered Life Show. I'm joined today by Eric Paskin, the founder of Restore Health and Treatment Center. Eric's personal struggle with addiction eventually led him to homelessness. Now recovered, Eric has turned his battle with addiction into a career of service, helping people get and stay sober. Welcome to the show, Eric. Hi, thanks for having me, Damon. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to talk with you about being recovered and working in the career, working as uh, in the career of recovery, helping people get sober. But first, I'd, I'd like to know a little bit about your story and you know what led you to working in recovery. So I'm originally from the Baltimore metropolitan area. Um, I had struggled with addiction most of my life as a, even as a young child, I, I, in my early experiences with drugs and alcohol, it always made me feel different. And it wasn't too long before active addiction took hold of me and, you know, spent, like I said, spent like in you, like you said, in the introduction, spent several years homeless, penniless, jobless without family, without friends, completely isolated. Um, that was what addiction did to me. Um, now, uh, working as the owner, the founder of Restore Health and Wellness Center really was an accident, a happy accident, as we talk about a lot of times in recovery. Um, I was one of these guys that got clean and never expected, I in fact, didn't want to work in treatment, never thought of myself as a helper, um, never thought of my, myself as someone who wanted to be in service to others. Um, and it actually was my sponsor who suggested that I uh, apply for a job in uh, the treatment industry as a, uh, a marketing representative, um, kind of building relationships for referrals to this particular treatment center that I ended up going to work for. Um, it, it wasn't until that happened that I'd even ever thought about working treatment. I didn't go to treatment. I didn't have the luxury of going to treatment. I didn't have health insurance. I had no money. So what treatment, what I understand to be treatment now, like what we do at Restore, I had never experienced. Um, my first treatment experience was getting this job, um, basically selling people on going to this treatment center. Um, I quickly found out that I could effectively communicate what recovery had done for me in my life and found that I was good at not only explaining how my life had improved, but talking to people and meeting them where they're at and building trusting relationships where they felt comfortable referring patients to me for this particular treatment center that I was working for. 
It's uh, probably easy though to write like on a bio, hey, went from homelessness to now, you know, running this recovery center. It was probably not so easy though, right? There was a lot of steps that were in between that. <laughs> it, it wasn't easy. It sounds easy in a brief, like you said, in a brief bio. Um, but it was years and years of experience and it was years of staying sober before that even that opportunity presented itself. Um, and it was at like a turning point in my life where it presented itself, but I had done a lot of personal work to even get to that point. And certainly where we're at now and what I do in the day-to-day -day running of a, a, a very large treatment center, it took years to get there, <laughs> years and years. And, and for many years, I, I was driving from hospital to hospital, from social worker to social worker, to um, interventionist to interventionist, um, trying to build relationships uh, uh, for this particular treatment center, uh, finding out that they were really enamored with me as a person, as the individual helping people get into treatment, which was kind of the conduit for me then saying, hey, if I can do this part, I probably can do this for myself. And uh, then before opening Restore, I started a small consulting company that did this type of work for other treatment centers independently. And then after a couple of years of that, I, I took that and said, I want to be in control of the whole thing, not just the marketing and the business development and the referral relationship aspect, but I want to build the treatment center from a, the standpoint of, of being able to control, not control, but create what I viewed to be important in treatment because there's, there's all types of treatment out there and there's all type, types of treatment centers. It's a huge industry. Um, but I don't think they're all created equal. Do so. you do you find it difficult? I know a lot of people say a sure way uh, to be able to get drunk again is to work in treatment. Like I've had a lot of friends who say, you know, staying sober and helping other people getting sober through a 12-step program or church is so different. Committing your whole career to doing that as a sober person, what are the pitfalls of that? I mean – it has to be difficult because you're seeing it day in, day out. Whereas if you're working in a, you know, just doing service uh, work, you know, you can kind of in a way pick and choose your experiences. Yeah. So there, there are, there are pitfalls, but I will say this, uh, my, where I'm at now is very different. Obviously I'm, I, I don't have a ton of interaction day to day with patients Mostly it's, it's running a business where I have an executive team and a clinical team and a leadership team. And it's kind of overseeing those things, but you do, you're, you're right. I mean, it, it's a kind of a joke in 12 step meetings. Oh yeah. Sure. Way to get loaded is, you know, go get a job in a treatment center. And, and I've seen that happen to many, many people. Uh, I think part of what happens is people forget what the, you know, you got to keep the first thing first, right? We, we, we talk about that all the time. Like without my recovery, I have nothing else. And I was really, and, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll make a clear distinction 
I don't say I work in recovery. I say I work in the addiction treatment industry, right? Because to me, treatment and recovery are two different things. And I've always looked at it that way. Treatment is this place where people go, where they get a, a, a separation, a physical separation from the drink and the drug, where they, um, you know, get a little therapy, where they can change people, places and things for a period of time. But that's not recovery. Recovery is what happens when you leave treatment and make a, a personal commitment to whether you go to 12 step or whether you go to celebrate recovery or uh, some type of religious, some support group, some peer support group. And, and that to me is the difference between recovery and treatment. So I, I don't say I work in recovery, I say I work in treatment. And I also a long time ago learned I, because I've seen people relapse that worked in treatment who were sober a number of years and thought they had it all together is that my recovery is very personal. So I keep my personal recovery in the forefront. Like, okay, what I do on a day-to-day -day basis, that's not my recovery. Like, oh, I may be on the phone with a parent or my clinical director or a therapist and we're talking about addiction, but that's not the issues. That's, those are not my personal issues with addiction and my personal recovery. I have a sponsor, I have a support group, I attend meetings. I have a fitness regimen. I, I make a very clear distinction between what I do for my personal recovery and what I do for the business. So even though you've had a personal experience of addiction and you can use that in your day-to-day -day career, right? Um, your, what, what it takes for you to stay sober long-term, it isn't really running out day-to-day when Correct. dealing with clients. Yeah. Correct. And that's, and that seems to be the big thing is that, um, people who are working in recovery that end up in trouble, end up working on other people's program and other people's recovery instead of just providing that service and helping them, giving them that opportunity and being a little bit objective. They're taking everything so personally, right? Sure, sure. I don't. I, I don't own what clients do. I don't take that owner. I don't take ownership of that. When my staff, I don't own. You know, when my staff and I've had staff members struggle in their personal lives, as as everybody has struggles, I don't take on people's personal issues in regards to running the business. I don't take on. If I'm speaking with a family about, hey, little Johnny should go to treatment and we should probably intervene and this is the steps we need to take and you guys should be going to therapy and X, Y, and Z or Al-Anon or whatever we're, whatever we're discussing, that doesn't take the place of the fact that I have an illness that needs to tr be treated personally. And so in these 14 odd years, I get up and I make a personal commitment that today I'm gonna to stay clean, I'm gonna stay sober, and I'm gonna do the things that I need to do personally for me, prayer, meditation, sponsorship, meeting attendance, showing up for other people and serving in the community. I'm gonna do those things regardless of what's going on day to day at the, at, at the facility and, and having a conversation that may, where I may share some of my personal experience about what my life in addiction was like with a family doesn't take the place of those things. Now, Eric, I think you, it's, 
it's very easy to, for people to get wrapped up and think, oh, I'm on the exactly. phone all day talking about what recovery is, but talking about it and doing it are two different things. Exactly right. And, you know, you talked a little bit about your experience that you didn't really have the opportunity to go to rehab. Um, and I know that there's a lot of misconceptions about rehab um, and about early recovery, about treatment centers. What do you think the biggest misconception is regarding treatment centers? So I, I think a lot of people have misconceptions. I think families have misconceptions about what treatment is. And I think uh, people with long-term sobriety who haven't gone to treatment, who are very entrenched in 12-step, maybe have a negative thought about what treatment, you know, the, the treatment or rehabilitation experience could be. Um, so families, I think the biggest misconception is I'm going to send my kid away for 30 days, my kid, my loved one, my husband, my wife, my partner, whoever, I'm going to send them away for 30 days and they're going to come back. They're going to be all better. Right. So I think that's a, a big misconception that families have. Right. Um, not, not recognizing, well, wait, this is a, a family illness and we have a part to play. And this is, a you know, they didn't, get to this point, it didn't happen overnight and they're not going to get better overnight. That seems to be hard, uh, a hard pill to swallow. Um, that this takes a very long time. That's an ongoing journey. Um, so to, to kind of break that misconception that, you know, sending somebody away is the answer because it's not, it's a, it's a part of the answer. It's maybe the beginning first step of the answer, but certainly it, it takes a lot more than just going away to treatment. Um, exactly. Do you, do you feel that too, that a lot of people view treatment as a magic bullet? I mean, I think people who don't understand addiction, maybe people who don't have uh, addiction issues are looking at, okay, well, we're going to send them to a treatment center. We're going to send them to Eric. Eric's going to fix them. And in 30 days, they're just going to go back to their life. Uh, you know, and I had a therapist tell me, you know, you know, there's the early part of addiction. There is just putting everything on pause, being able to get your life and making sure your health is okay, right? That literally time out that you had mentioned earlier. And then there is your life in recovery, right? And I think people have a misconception about, okay, you know, you're going to go into recovery, you're going to go into a treatment center and that's it. You're done. You're yeah. fixed. It's going to work the first time. It's over. All the time all the time. I mean, that's a huge, uh, you know, I deal with employers, uh, a big part of uh, a big part of my business is employers sending us their employees and they don't routinely understand this is a, an illness and what you're seeing now, the severity where it's gotten to where you have to send your employee away from their job and their family for a period of time. It didn't happen overnight. And uh, it's, in fact, it's been happening for a very long time. It's just gotten to a point where now they're prepared to do it. I use that and I, I reference that all the time and say, it took years for you to get to this point where you're willing to let the person go to treatment or send them or it's causing them issues at work where now you feel it's important. Imagine how long it took to get to that point. So sending them to treatment for 30 days isn't going to resolve that what took years and years and years of habitual use and bad habits and not taking care of yourself. That's going to 
take a very long time to resolve. The, 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 I really say addiction treatment is interruption, right? It's, it's interruption. We're interrupting that process of active use. We try to give you some therapy. We try to give you some, a little bit of insight, what you can do in 30, 45, 60 days of treatment, a little bit of insight as much as the person's willing to take, but people in long-term recovery know that it takes a long time, <laughs> right? It's like, I didn't get 14 years overnight. It took 14 years. And in those 14 years, I had to actively work and have to continue to actively work on myself and the core issues that even though I haven't used a, drugs and alcohol in a very long time, they still affect me. It's just how I choose, you know, in 12-step fellowship, we talk about de defects of character, right? Whether I choose to act on my defects of character, my shortcomings, uh, I have insight that I have them now, right? So now I work on them. I really use treatment as that kind of introduction to like, hey, you have an illness. This illness is about how you think about yourself, how you feel about yourself, how you, how you act on those thoughts and feelings. Now, now that you know that, now is the work's gonna begin so that you don't do those things. What do we do to prevent that? And yeah. again, that's not 30, that's not 30 days. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a big benefit in, you know, putting that pause when people have this realization, I think everybody in the world and, you know, people who do not suffer from addiction that might be listening to this, they said, well, you know, why can't you just go into a treatment center and in 30 days it's fixed. Right. And, you know, and I think that there's a big misconception and what everybody's trying to kind of figure out in recovery is willingness, right? You can't, you can't, um, willingness is something that you can't purchase. You can't go to visit. You're either willing or you're not willing. Uh, but when that willingness does arise, having the opportunity to hit the pause button, um, to be able to gather the tools, I think is r really valuable. Also, the environment, too. Do you, do you feel that the environment plays a huge role in people's early reco recovery, whether they're going to get it or not get it, once they've kind of shown some sort of willingness? I, I think certainly the environment is helpful. Um, you know, early on in recovery, they say in, in recovery, not in treatment, they say change people, places, and things, right? Um, you have a, if you have a degree of willingness, but you're in a home where everybody's using or all your, every relationship, every interaction you have is around drugs and alcohol, it's going to be very hard no matter how will, I'm not saying it's impossible because I do know people who have done that, but certainly if you can change, you can be removed from that environment. You can be in an environment where people say, Hey, look, let's give yourself a break. You know, you don't have to drink or drug today. There's therapy around that. There's healthy food around that. There's support groups around that. If you can get to an environment where those things where where that, where I say this, everything in act, when I was in active addiction, when I was actively using, Everything was about using. When you go to treatment, hopefully you're in a center where everything is about you entering the recovery process. So I think it is a very important change that can help. Um, 
it certainly can improve your chances, I think, of entering the recovery process because you're having that interruption and then you're being almost bombarded on a, on a minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, week by week basis, everything about recovery, everything about what it's like to be in recovery in a safe and supportive environment before you're thrust back into, you know, what I would say the real world. <laughs> yeah. And I assume also information too, that is credible because not everywhere you go, whether it be a 12 step group or a church or some sort of community that's helping people get sober, not all the information that's given there is helpful or correct for every individual. Sure. That that's true. Um, at our center, we, we really try to, everybody's treatment plan is individualized, right? We understand addiction, but addiction affects people differently and people have different core issues. And the one benefit I, I do feel that treatment offers is this period of kind of introspection. You, you're like, you have this moment where you can at least have some admission, right? That's in, in recovery, we'd call that, in a 12 step room, we'd say yeah, yeah, your first step, you internalize the first step, right? You said, I'm an alcoholic or I'm an, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea how to stop and stay stopped. So I'm, I'm opening myself up to this opportunity. And, and a lot of times by doing that uh, in a safe environment, um, we can start to work on some of those issues. When you're at home, it's even difficult when you're in recovery at a, and you've been in recovery to, to, to raise your hand in the meeting if something comes up that, I mean, I, I certainly know that with a, a very long time sober, that it's still uncomfortable for me to go and raise my hand and ask for help because I have this thing that doesn't want me to ask for help. <laughs> um, when you're in treatment, especially early on, it's helpful to be in an environment where, where that's supported, right? Where Absolutely, you Eric. Absolutely. Um, if, if somebody's listening to this and they're sober and they're thinking about a career in recovery, what would be your advice to them? Don't do it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> um, well, you know, I would, I would, I would ask the person why they're thinking about it, right? Why I, I know a lot, especially now with COVID-19 and the way people's businesses have changed and people are out of work. I would, I would really ask somebody, especially who's in long-term recovery, what their motives are, right? What their, per, what, why, why get involved in it? First of all, because I really believe my success Restore Health and Wellness Center success is about, we're still client-centered. We're always looking at what does the client need? How can we best treat this, you know, whoever the client is, the patient is, what does this particular patient need? We're, I always say because, and, and I think part of it's because it was an accident that I fell into this type of service and I found that this was my passion, my calling. Um, that I always am looking at how do we make this experience better for the client? How do we make it the most successful and effective treatment episode for them? And, and hopefully 
make it so that they don't have to come back to treatment, right? So I'm always focused on that. And it, it's, um, I'm, I'm part of certain uh, of other mastermind groups, other CEOs and coaches. And it, it's like, ask yourself, what's your why, right? And that's my why. That's our why at Restore, which is like, we are here to help. We are here to serve the suffering, struggling addict and alcoholic. How do we do that best? And that's kept us kind of on our you know, North Star, if you, for lack of a better term. Eric, um, where can they find out more about you and Restore? Um, the best way to find out about myself is probably Instagram, and it's just at Eric Paskin. Um, the, the treatment center, you best can be found online at restorecenterla.com that that gives us a gives a uh, people breakdowns of the facility our credentialed staff shows uh you know video tours of the facility talks about our philosophies and treatment modalities we use um that's probably the best place to find us eric paskin thank you so much for coming on the show today appreciate you having me damon thank you so much Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free, and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.